Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. That little commercial, Laura, made us all chuckle about getting that. That is good. Yeah. That's well done. I remember when my oldest was, I think, five years old, four or five, and we were doing some shopping uh, right before Christmas at Princeton's Liquors, which uh, my friend Bill Princeton, who lives in Maple Grove, he owned, well, his dad owned it at the time. His dad has passed, but Bill owns it. Mm Mm-hmm. And... Bill was one of the first to get, like, craft beer, uh, local craft beer, in his uh, liquor store. And we used to uh, go in the back room and... Taste it. Sample. You got to (laughs) do... Sampling. And I would bring my kids in in the back room because I'm a terrible, terrible parent, and that's what you would do. (laughs) And so we go to Princeton's before going to Chicago to bring my family some Minnesota craft beer. Got it. And Seth, age five, asked if we were going to get some beer to leave for, for Santa. Santa. Yes. I was like, yes, we are. <laughs> yes, we Forget are. Forget the milk. <laughs> Started a nice, nice tradition. That's cute. Yeah. Uh, I have been thinking a lot today. You know, I'm Catholic, grew mm-hmm. up Catholic, Uh am an infrequent church attendee post-COVID sort of made it worse for me, I guess, like many. I think I got out of the habit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, being Catholic is not always the easiest road (laughs) to follow because a lot of the kind of big church decisions don't align with sort of personal type Beliefs. I think many people find themselves in that category. It's a struggle, right? Yeah. And you think like your your religion versus the church, like your your tradition, the way you grew up, what you think the church really should stand for versus the things they focus on. Mm-hmm. You think like, well, can I stick it out, right? And hope that the church comes around. And this morning, I was very surprised, as I think this is big. Most Catholics were that the Pope, Pope Francis, is now allowing priests to bless same-sex couples. Yes. And I do, it, it just makes me think, and we're in such a world where we expect change to happen so fast, right? Right. And we, I mean, imagine in our lifetime, in our lifetime, we're not that old, a same-sex relationship has gone from yes. being widely thought of as some sort of freakish aberration, mm-hmm. weird, right? Mm-hmm. And today, the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church, now, it's not same-sex marriage in the Catholic Church. It's not holy matrimony. No, but isn't it recognizing same-sex couples and allowing them to get a special blessing, yeah. right? Yeah. That's, and the w- a long, that's a big step. Big to step. think about that, that progression over our lifetime, and, and it's difficult sometimes to zoom out and take that perspective, right? Because you look at sort of the policy kind of arguments we get into on a daily basis, and we've seen 
here in Minnesota, the incredible success of legalizing same-sex marriage, right? Right. Because mm-hmm. think of how many wonderful families we have now uh, because of that yes. change. But how quickly that that went from us thinking we might be banning it. I know. And then all of a sudden, within a year, it was like, nope, mm-hmm. it's legal. You're yeah. Like, Whoa. It happened really fast. And I think there were a lot of people who were very torn on whether or not they supported it or not. And now it's just commonplace and it seems to be fine. And, yeah, you know, right? it's fine. It's fine. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and do I think the Catholic Church should allow same-sex couples to have holy matrimony, the sacrament? Um, I don't know. I mean, that's yeah. a very difficult theological question and a church-type question. But the fact that, that ah, that you can be a same-sex couple who grew up in the Catholic faith, loves the religion, loves the church, loves all of it, but always felt like they didn't love me back. Right, and that you weren't welcome yeah, the that, way that you are, the way that you can just authentically be. I think it's a big deal. I do, too. Um, and I, I, if you're not Catholic or you're not religious, you could look at this and be like, well, it's still other. It's It's still... It's separate and not equal, mm-hmm. right? And that is true. Mm-hmm. That's true. It is. Right. And if I were if I were gay, it'd be hard to be Catholic. Oh Boy, yes. The the gay Catholics who remain are probably, you know, if you're gonna rank someone as to like how how religious you are, you're pretty dang religious. <laughs> like how do you do it? You love the church. You love that tradition so much and you understand that some of these decisions really are are decisions of man, not decisions of, of really what the religion is about. Right, right. But um it's interesting. You just think about how long certain struggles for yes. improvement have taken. Well, and that this has gone so quickly is, is striking. To it me. is striking. And it just, it, it makes you think about the eternity and the decades and the <laughs> years and years and years of pain yeah. for so many people who couldn't just be themselves. Right. You know what? Right. And now they kind of can. Yeah. I, it's better. Like it's, you know, in, in the, church is sort of threading the needle. Dan and I were talking about this earlier where they're trying to say like, well, we're not going to have like a a same sex, like civil ceremony. Right. They don't want it to look like a marriage ceremony at all. Right. Right. Yeah. But you could go on a retreat or you could have a a meeting with uh, your priest or you could have a group and have a prayer. And just the fact that there, that the Pope is saying, we love you, mm-hmm. and we bl- more than love you, that a priest will give you a blessing. It's cool. I just think, yeah. I, I I don't, you know, because I'm not in that situation, I don't know how people will feel about it. I'm curious mm-hmm. if it will bring people closer to the church or, right. or, or still make you... Because I think it's also correct if you feel like, well, it's still like, yeah, I can't do the thing. We talked with somebody from out front Minnesota about this today, mm. and I didn't do the interview, but I know that they had a prepared statement. Um, they're being rather measured at this point, but still see it as a good positive yeah. step. Yeah. Yeah. If you're looking at this from the standpoint of 
an advocacy group that is fighting for equality in all aspects, mm-hmm. this is still a nothing. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, mm-hmm. all right. right. It's a baby step. But as a Catholic, you think this is like, a, to me, it feels like a shattering of a wall. Mm-hmm. And there are still a couple more walls to go, but you can't go through all the walls until you shatter the first. Sure. And so to me, it it seems significant. The other thing that's interesting, and Dan, I'm curious your thoughts because one of one of the one of the frustrations with an institution like the church is how slow it is, mm, mm-hmm. and also in a world that changes on a dime, there is some kind of cultural benefit to having some things that just go slow. Sure. And now there's no benefit to you if you're in the fight, right? If you feel marginalized, like there's no benefit. You mean to allow the world to grasp this and understand it really and understand support it. it. Yeah. yeah. I hear you. I think there's some benefit to it. Not saying that I agree with the stance. I don't. Like I think I think women should be able to be priests. And I think like all sorts of things that I think that are not aligned with Catholic uh, teaching. Mm-hmm. But uh, I also do value the the deliberative nature of these things. Sure. We were talking about this earlier that, you know, I, I think there is value in it. And, and I, you know, I want to start again by saying that I affirm same-sex marriages and I'm, I'm not opposed to them in any way, shape, or form. But I do think in the same way that when the founders created sort of an adversarial uh, uh, government system, a system with checks and balances, it was designed to make things move slowly. And that gets really frustrating for folks that want change, that want to get stuff done but the system was designed very much that way because they saw governments around the world that changed very quickly and changed too much too quickly mm-hmm. fall apart. And I think – so there is, a, there is a place for an institution like the church to be sort of – I hate to use this term, but a drag on, on societal change. Uh, to be asking the questions, are we sure about this? Do we want to think this through? Have we thought about this? Thing? I think a lot about – a lot of the science that we do when you're talking about cloning or you're talking mm-hmm. about um, genetic – uh, alterations you know, the church very much opposes that and I think on grounds that are at least worth a conversation hmm. what does this yeah. mean for the sanctity of life what does this mean you know in terms of how we define what a life is uh, is one this one as a clone distinct from a different from the person that was cloned or whatever you know questions like that need to be asked and, and a lot of times the world's so quickly this is uh, an old Jurassic Park quote trying to ask itself if they can do something that we still don't stop to ask if we should Mm-hmm. And so, well, again, whole, wholly transparent, I totally affirm same-sex marriages. Uh, I do think there is a place for a church to say, okay, but are we sure? Yeah. yeah. Just to have that conversation. Just to mm-hmm. have the conversation. I think for the most part yeah. that conversation has been had, and I think the church is starting to catch up, and I think that's a good thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's all very interesting. And some of the church stuff, it's so mysterious, right? Oh, like, yeah. The Pope issued a declaration here which is sort of like an executive order. It's done. It's not a conversation. This yeah. is now, this is policy. So it does make you wonder, like, hmm, yeah. what will the next pope do? Exactly. I'd be curious, and this is for another time, bigger conversation, but I'd be curious to know how, and I'm not Catholic, and so I don't know this, but how does the pope gather the information and become educated on this kind of stuff and look into and research and deliberate, like, how, what is that process? 
and who are his advisors and what is he drawing from to come up with his conclusions? I think that would be super interesting to know. It, and I bet we'll get more reporting about kind of how we ended up here, sure. right? But like uh, James Martin, who is a very prominent advocate for LB, uh, LGBTQ Catholics, he's a Jesuit priest, very interesting Twitter follow, James Martin is. Um, and he's met frequently with the Pope okay. on this issue. So I wouldn't be surprised if if James Martin was a key part of this thing. Sure. And and Francis was sort of inclined to go this way from the beginning. So yeah. his appointment as Pope, um, you know, you, I think most observers expected this would be at least part of the conversation, mm-hmm. not knowing which way it was going to move, but that it would be a conversation. Right. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. Laura, thank you. Mm-hmm. 521. We're going to do the D-Rush Hour news headlines in just a minute, including news of a big music festival in the Twin Cities. An amazing story that I just loved about a bunch of sisters working inside Minnesota prisons. And that era is about to come to an end. Uh, Plus, why is a Cargill heir buying a bunch of homes in the city of Duluth way over market price? D-Rush Hour news headlines next. 525, time for the D-Rush Hour news headlines on this December 18th. We begin with news of a big music festival, a summer music festival in the Twin Cities. Is that is that a Yacht Rock, little Yacht Rock, Dan? I mean, they're calling it what, the Minnesota Yacht Club Minnesota, thing, right? Yeah, so there you go. You got to have Yacht Rock. Right? I hope the whole, wouldn't it be great if the whole music festival was Yacht Rock? That'd be brilliant. Chris Riemann Schneider. I do, I do not think it would be brilliant. Actually, are you going to sell thirty to thirty five thousand tickets a day nope. for yacht rock? You'd have some very happy people. <laughs> yes, you would. Disturbing how many songs when you when you tune to the yacht rock uh, satellite radio station. How many? Oh, I'm sorry. I know. I only listen to news. What talk is the satellite radio of which you speak? WCC. Chris Riemenschneider in the Star Tribune reporting the concert company that did Lollapalooza, Austin City Limits. Uh, they announced a two-day event at uh, Harriet Island in St. Paul next July, the 19th and 20th, uh, called the Minnesota Yacht Club. It's a good name. I like it. Uh, we'll see. We We have no idea who's playing. 20 acts a day, two big stages. Uh, we'll find out in mid-July, or mid-January, mid-July, dang thing. Will be, you will find out for sure who's playing in mid-July, but they're going to announce it in mid-January. The promoter leading the festival says, hey, the Twin Cities is a big enough market to support five major league sports teams. Come on. It can support a major league music festival, too. The Sister Act at a Minnesota prison is about to come to an end. Mary Devine of the Pioneer Press reporting that when Sherry Anderson Bone retires on January 2nd, it'll be the first time in 42 years that someone other than one of three sisters has held the post of executive assistant to the warden in Oak Park Heights. 42 years that three sisters had this gig. Penny Anderson Karish was the first. She started as a 19-year-old in 1973 to work in the Steno, the Steno Pool at the Stillwater Prison. But she became uh, the warden's executive assistant. And when the warden was moved to Oak Park Heights, 
Uh, Penny came along with it. When she decided to retire or leave, her older sister, Connie Anderson Davis, got promoted to the gig. And then when Connie left, the baby sister, Sherry, worked her way up. Together, these three sisters have worked for 12 wardens, two active wardens. Paul Schnell, who runs the Department of Corrections, says it's an impressive family legacy because they had they all were married so they all had married last names most people didn't know they were all sisters uh but end of an era pretty cool labor unions in minnesota spend more on political races than unions do in almost any other state minnesota reformer reporting that minnesota public sector unions so you're talking about like the state and city employees the teachers personal care attendance unions, those public sector unions rank third in the amount they spend on state and local elections behind Illinois, behind California. Pretty wild. Uh, These unions, well, it makes sense if you think about it. The unions in Minnesota and their affiliates spent $13.2 million on state and local politics in the 2021 to 2022 campaign cycle. Election Minnesota is the biggest donor. Election Education Minnesota, the teachers. Uh, Governor Walls got the most money, $16,000. And the DFL, State Central Committee, got $3.9 million. Um, nationally, business interests donate way more than labor unions do. But here in Minnesota, the labor unions do uh, have an outsized influence compared to in other states. Why is a Cargill heir buying homes in Duluth way over market price? In Forum, the Duluth paper, Jimmy uh, Lavrian reporting that Kathy Cargill has bought and demolished seven homes on Park Point in Duluth over the past year. They're above market value. Rumors are swirling over what's going to be built in their space. So the Do you guys know Park Point? It's a seven-mile-long sandbar. Uh, seven addresses. She paid $4.6 million which is about $2 million over market value. She wouldn't tell the reporter uh, what she was going to do with it, but she did threaten to sue his newspaper for writing about this. The homes we bought were pieces of crap, the billionaire told the reporter. I couldn't imagine living in any of them. So we'll see. Maybe it's going to just be one monster mansion. Maybe it'll be a resort. Who know? Very unusual place, uh, Park Point. And certainly noteworthy when a Cargill starts buying up homes. That's the D-Rush Hour news headlines here on CCO. You can always find the D-Rush Hour news headlines on our podcast. You can subscribe through the Odyssey app. But we're everywhere. Drive Time with D-Rush is available on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube Podcasts, wherever you go. We are there for you. Take a break. Dave Schwartz next. Where are we on the absolute embarrassment quarterback shuffle situation of the Minnesota Vikings who somehow could still win their division? Uh, Schwartzy joins us when we come back on CCO. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Dave, nice to have you with us. Good afternoon, sir. Uh, Evening, I guess now. Where are you on Jake Browning celebrating his glorious victory over the Vikings, freaking out by yelling, you should have never effing cut me? Well, listen, good. I'm I'm sure he's been hanging on to this. And if indeed, and I watched his post-game press conference, if what actually happened happened, I, I understand why he feels the way he feels. If he was told, if you'd listen to the press conference, he was, you know, they, they cut him. They sent him back to the hotel, said they were going to call why, him. Why and, on earth would I listen to the, the, the news conference of Jim? It was Brown. great drama because well, it, I it, mean, it's just great I, drama. I, I just, <laughs> and so he says he, they, told, they promised him a phone call, and he just never got a phone call, never got oh. anything, didn't call his agent. He was just cut. So this is so this He is was one. an undrafted free agent. Okay. He but also, what sort of respect does he think he deserves? Do you know the? I I thought of I think of the social media gif where Superman or excuse me Superman I'm mixing up my heroes Spider Man is pointing at Spider Man. That's exactly what Jake Browning and Nick Mullins were on Saturday. Their, their their stat lines were almost identical. Quarterback ratings were almost identical. Nick Mullins made some poor throws. Jake Browning got some great play from some really good wide receivers, but those performances were almost equal. So I don't know why he's saying they never should have cut him when they have someone right there who could do the same thing. I mean, it feels good to win. I get it. He's passionate. He's full of, you know. I mean, enjoy his moment, right? He's not going to have that many. Nothing like beating the Vikings. It was a come-from-behind victory. Yeah. 300 passing yards. It wasn't so much of a victory for the Bengals as it was is that they didn't lose. There, there's a difference. Mm. The Vikings had multiple chances to win that game. Yes. And they absolutely let it slip with poor decision-making, poor defensive play in the second half. They and, looked and, so good in the first half, and then I, then I went to a, a cocktail class uh, learning about gin. Ooh. Which then I just guzzled after I saw Which what happened. Need, to yeah. yeah, it worked out. Did fine. you need a cocktail or did you just drink the gin straight? Did it just get that <laughs> no need to dilute. Yeah, no, was, no, uh, not great. Not a great moment in Minnesota Vikings history. It's a bummer. I mean, it, the common knowledge would tell you that if you want your quarterback to go a yard and you need to push him. Maybe you won't put the guy who's five foot four, one hundred and seventy five pounds, or whatever. Powell is. I, I mean, there's so many other people that you could have had in that situation. And the the not taking a timeout, and I watched the game, and it really, to me, looked like Brian Flores was trying to get Kevin O'Connell to take a timeout after that tush push in overtime. And he doesn't. And he says, well, we didn't like – I didn't want to give them an opportunity to change their set. And so, to me, that tells me, you know – you don't have the faith in your team that you need to have because if you do, then any coach would say, okay, line up your best 11 against our best 11, and we're going to beat you. 
Should and he we, doesn't have that. Should the NFL get uh, outlaw the tush push? No, they, there's enough rules in football. I disagree. Oh, come. We don't know what a catch is. We don't know what a throw is. Now we're not going to be able to figure out what a run is. I mean, what is football anymore if you get rid of all that? Well, there's nothing left. Somehow we have football for all these years without the stupid, like, let's line everybody up behind and give give our guy a shove. It It's people figuring out ways to skirt the system, but you can't keep changing the game. Sure you can. Every time someone up, but it's not the game anymore. Yeah. It's not football. You can't even sack a quarterback anymore. It's true. Man, the it's, good old days when you could just pound somebody's head into the ground. <laughs> ah, yes. yeah. Well, we know now that the, the long-term effects of this. But you chose to play football, so you signed up for that. Yeah, it's true. At the professional level, how much, yes. How much? you know. Well, the Packers lost, at least, so that was nice. <laughs> that's the most Minnesota thing ever. That's all we have. At least the Packers lost. It's, that's all we have. <laughs> what, what else are we supposed to say about what is, what is the Vikings record now? Six and eight? eight? Seven and seven. Seven and seven. Seven and seven. Hey, at least they hey. didn't lose to the Raiders 63 to 21 like the Chargers did. There you go. We actually, you know, that, that there's some silver lining here. Uh, not uh, a lot, though. Not a lot. Timberwolves look amazing. Yeah. Like, as a longtime, long suffering Timberwolves fan, I am nervous to be too excited about this team. But they look good. We're, we're, we're not happy with uh, the a little bit of Anthony Edwards uh, off the court uh, distraction and scandal today. But, uh, you know, how about well, the Just Wolves? remember, these, these, guys, these guys are playing professional basketball. They're not professionals at always making the right choices. No. That's, no. We'll just put it at that. I've always said this is the the Hall of Fames are not Hall of Fames. They're Hall of Fames of players, not Hall of Fames of great people or great human beings always. Well, and I don't know if Anthony Edwards is a great person or not. He is a very young. Yes. 22 year old who has more money than most of us will ever have in our lives. Yes. More availability of any type of temptation that we would ever have access to in our lives. So who knows like how much of a train wreck I would be if I were in that situation. I I would hope that if I got an Instagram model who appears to uh, chase uh, NBA players pregnant and she sent me the picture of the pregnancy test, I would hope that I would respond with a little more empathy than get an abortion. I'll give you money if you need. I'll give you money to help you out. And then you send, would hope that, that send a hundred thousand dollars. Youch. Not great. Not not great. Not great at all. Um and he's had a couple of those moments so far in his young yes. uh career. Now and I don't now I can't buy the shoes. I can't buy the Anthony Edwards shoes. I don't think those shoes are for us anyway. I no, don't think they're don't, for guys like. <laughs> I don't think they're for guys like you know middle-aged dads walking well, around. I and, disagree. I think it's exactly for middle-aged. Do dads. you think so? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, I. They're nice looking. I would not try to wear them. No, I would I not even no. try to. Pull oh, them. how dumb would I look in those shoes? I mean, 
I was trying on shoes, looking for some new sneakers the other day, and I happened to find a pair of. I was at the Nike outlet, and I these, which is where you find all the coolest. Oh, because after a while, you don't care. You don't. You lose. You don't care. It's just got to be the right price and comfort. And I tried on these shoes, and they're you know six different colors, and they're LeBron Jameses. I'm like, these are kind of comfortable. And then I looked in the mirror, and I went. No. I don't care if these no. are a dollar. I can't do this in public. This is just not. <laughs> no, it should never happen. Yeah. Time has passed us by on some of those things, you know, on a lot of things. It's true. On a lot of things. <laughs> Wouldn't the world be better, though, if middle aged men had the awareness of like, you know what? Not for me. I think I I feel like I have that. I I think so. Have the awareness. You know I who know doesn't? What I can my pull off. my old uh, TV colleague, Matt Brickman. Who's off in New York City, and still wears crazy shoes. He wears yeah. the Air Force Ones or whatever he wears. It's he like you're his, you're doing yeah. the weather at NBC. You're showing up in freaking Rockefeller Tower, looking like a absolute child. Well, I, I was mean, thinking of other words to describe him, but I can't say it on the radio. He's there, and we're not. I guess. What do we so know? Maybe what accurate, do we know, right? Accurate. Dave Schwartz is with us. Host the huddle on CCO on Sundays. Uh, wild. Speaking of uh, teams yeah. that are looking better, seven and two in their in their last nine. Uh, you know, John Hines. Who knows if it's if if it's his style, if it's the way he does things, if it just happens to be. We talked about this a lot yesterday. Yeah. If it's if it's the schedule getting a little easier, I, I will say that the team plays better with him there. His style of coaching hockey is is faster. It's getting the defense involved in, in the offense, which makes things a little bit easier. And he's getting guys like Matt Boldy and Freddie Goudreau, who were not scoring, to really start putting the puck in the net. And now the confidence is there. You, you don't grip the stick as hard, and, and everything starts to work. Uh, meanwhile, Philip Gustafson has been outstanding in that. And it's just kind of all coming together, which is good. But there's, you know, there, there's, still, there's still some tough games ahead, and, and Pittsburgh is not going to be a pushover tonight. Little bit of a goalie kind of conversation anyway, because uh Flurry returning to the site of his three Stanley Cup titles. Yeah. Uh would have been nice to have him play. But you know I, I I mean, how do you not go with Gus? I get the sense that Marc Andre Fleury cares about what's best for the team. I really do. And, and I think he also knows where he's at in his career. More, most importantly, I think he understands exactly who he is now, and that is to to be a guy that can bail them out in situations where Gustafson needs a break, to be a mentor to him, to help him. Uh, it's not a coincidence. It is not a coincidence that Philip Gustafson, at the same time that he shared the net with someone like Marc-Andre Fleury, has yeah. absolutely taken off in his career. Yeah. I, I think Fleury takes that mentor role very seriously. Dave Schwartz is with us. Uh, some positive news out of the transfer portal, which, by the way, like, is the transfer portal like a like a giant Powerball lottery? Like, once you enter it, like, your name goes in this big machine. It sounds so exciting. You've entered the transfer portal. Like, <laughs> It's it not even exciting. a thing. It's just like a Google Doc somewhere, right? Like, what is the transfer portal? It basically, it's your opportunity to go, hey, uh, come recruit me. I want to leave where I'm at. So 
You're like at a job fair at the convention center. They've just given it a fancy name. (laughs) It depends on who you are. If you're a really good player, they come to you. (laughs) I suppose. If you or I enter the transfer portal, you know, we're standing Uh, in the convention center saying, we're available. I got got my resume over here. Here we are. Anybody want to talk to me? (laughs) I put on a tie. Uh, We got a sneakers. (laughs) (laughs) We got a quarterback, though. The Gophers added a quarterback. Who did they add? Because I did not see. You're beating me on this one. I didn't see it. Logan Fife. Which is interesting because they've already added two quarterbacks in, in this offseason. Never the kid enough. From New Hampshire. And then they get the kid from Arkansas who will, who will probably play yeah. after this kid from uh, New Hampshire. But Logan Fife played in 12 games, started one as quarterback for Fresno State. And, of course, Logan Fife comes from the Barney Fife family. So it is. <laughs> the pedigree. The pedigree is in, is impressive. The Fresno State team, by the way, that destroyed Jerry Kill's New Mexico team. That's right. Uh, in the bowl in which Jerry was very upset after that they were not allowed to play in the indoor practice facility. And that made all the difference. That was the, that was the in game. In losing by 20-plus <laughs> points. Uh, that was the difference for sure. Dave, uh, have a good week. We'll miss you next week. We're off. I don't know why. December I'm 25th. not. I told Dan I, You're I available? was available. I would do karaoke for all your favorite holiday yeah, songs. That's wonderful. So Is that, I'll be Are here. we playing holiday music? Are we playing Christmas music all day? Yes. Huh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my connection and pipe in. And So if you hear some random singing in the background... <laughs> Around five thirty-five, it's me. There's nothing better, Dave, than like I am dedicated to your show. Jason. I like it. I like it. I think having like having your perspective on Christmas Day is what <laughs> he's more dedicated to the show than we are. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 hard to get better than Christmas classics on crystal clear AM eight three zero. You know what I mean? So. Uh, if you're, I wake up hate in to time, interrupt I'll that. Yeah, if, yeah. If I'm awake, I'll I'll hop on and sing for a little bit. Thanks, Dave. We'll, Happy holidays, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next year. Sounds good. Bye. Taylor's over here getting ready for the six o'clock news. I was just asking you how things are going. How are things going, Taylor? Oh, she's cat. You got to oh. turn it on there. Am I on? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm just counting down to Christmas. I am in the panic mode of Christmas present buying. So I tend to buy gifts for my wife indiscriminately. And then usually I overbuy, but I always feel like I've underbought. And then the year, like the week of, I just start going crazy. We're in the same boat. I've been spending way too much money. Way too much money. (laughs) And usually I tell her, I'm like, not going to be real good this year. Like, don't get too excited. I try to lower expectation. Because that has been my... Because you can over, over-give. Right. Under-promise, over-deliver has been my goal throughout my life. It's been the key to the success of my marriage, under-promising, and my career. Do I over-deliver? Well, I just promise really, really low. So then, you know... That'll work out in your favor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, tonight, we're going to... A, a show at the Dakota, which I haven't been to a show at the Dakota in years. It is the Peterson family, Paul, Patty, Jason, the whole crew. Well, enjoy and get festive. 
I will. I'm wearing like velvet pants. That's perfect. Is that too much information? Cook, look, look. I, I didn't say I'm wearing like sparkly pants. It's just velvet pants. What's the big deal? That's at, a festive vibe. At least I'm wearing pants. Henry Lake, he usually does his show pantsless. That's coming up here on CSU. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.